Have you ever been in a situation where you've tried to ignore the voice of God and the Word of God? You see, most Christians do not deliberately, openly, defiantly disobey God. There are some who do, but there are very few. There are very few who would say, God, I know what you want me to do, and I'm not going to do it. There are very few of those. I think most Christians basically turn a deaf ear to what God is saying to them, if they don't like what God is saying. Most Christians pretend they're not hearing God, even though He'll be talking to them. Most Christians, they try to pretend that they do not understand the Scripture when they know it is applying specifically to the situation they're in. I know what that is, because I've been there. And I pray that if you have never been there, (laughs) that you never will be. I pray, that's my prayer for you, that if you've never experienced that, that you would never experience it. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about being in a situation when you knew clearly what the Word of God is saying, but because you don't like it, you pretend you're not hearing. You pretend that you're not listening. Only those of us who have been there know the consequences of turning a deaf ear to the voice of God and the Word of God. To some, of course, these consequences may not surface for a long, long time, but make no mistake about it, surfacing it will. Only those of us who have been there know the overwhelming grace of God when we repent and turn to Him and walk on the road to obedience and make good on our vows to the Lord. Maybe there's somebody who's listening to me who is adamant about doing his thing or doing her thing and not listening to the voice of God. And God has been sending you one signal after another, one prodding after another, one voice after another, one warning after another, including this one. And God is patiently waiting for your response. Maybe there's somebody who's listening to me who's toying with the thought of flirting with sin and testing the patience of God and and convince themselves and deceive themselves that it's okay to take shortcuts. Let me tell you about shortcuts. They may look good, but they are at the end of them. There is pain and there's agony. Shortcuts are not very good. In fact, I heard about this young man, a young businessman who just started working in the city, and he was catching a train from uh, far away suburbia to the city, and he was running late, so he trotted up to a farmer, and he asked him, he said, Say, do you mind if I take a shortcut through your farm? I want to catch the 645. <laughs> the farmer looked at him and said, That's all right, young fella. Go ahead. But if my bull sees you... You will catch the 615. (laughs) Francis Thompson, the British poet, understood God's undaunting pursuit for his children. Children who are prone to flee from him may not be physically fleeing like Jonah, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually fleeing from him, not being where God wants them to be. He understood that, that he wrote this epic poem, The Hound of Heaven. Many of you know that magnificent poem. Now we saw in the last message that there are only two types of Christians. 
There are those who are traveling with the will of God, and there are those who are traveling against the will of God. There is no third. If you're putting your life on neutral and coasting along, you are traveling against the will of God. If you are not traveling with the will of God, I don't care where you are, you are traveling against the will of God. We saw that in the last message. We saw that Jonah decided to travel against the will of God. We saw that when you travel against the will of God, several things happen. Number one, you pay the fare in full. Number two, you never complete the journey. Number three, you'll never get a refund. But when you travel with the will of God, the Lord pays the full fare, and you always complete your journey. Jonah, instead of going east, as God told him to go to Assyria, he went down and got a ticket on a boat that was traveling to Spain, which is the end of the world back then as they knew it. As far away west from east where God has sent him. But all the hound of heaven was watching him. The hound of heaven was not giving up on him. Look at verse 4 of chapter 1, the book of Jonah. And the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, that there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Let me stop here and ask you a question. Do you know why God does not give up the pursuit of His children? I mean, do you understand that God just does not give up. Do you know why God doesn't just sit in heaven and say, Oh my, he wandered away from my will. Can't do anything about it. I'm sorry about that. Oh my, she just decided to go her own way. Can't help it. Sorry. <laughs> well, he went against my word. She went against my word. I'm dumping them. I'm going to get somebody else. Do you know why God doesn't do it? Let me give you a hint. <laughs> Before you answer the question to yourself, I'll give you some hints. I can tell you on the authority of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation that God never dumps His own. God never lets a true Christian lose his or her salvation. Never. God never lets one of His own sheep fall into the abyss. Never. In fact, in John chapter 6, verse 39, Jesus said, Those whom the Father has given me, of them I will lose none. None, not one, of the Lord's inheritance will ever be lost. Now back to the question, since I've given you the hint. Why does God pursue His children? Let me tell you something. If God is not pursuing you, and you're living for self, and living for yourself, chances are you're not a child of God. And you need to become a child of God today. Because God loves you so. Because He loves you so much. Because His love is indescribable. Because His love has no end. Because God's love is wide and deep. Because of that, he will not let one of his own fall. You know, through the years, I have sat with many a loving spouse. When one spouse, in blind selfishness, wanted out 
of the marriage and the loving spouse is unwilling to let go. But ultimately, they do not know and they cannot and they have no power to hold on. They must let go. They have no other option. But it is not so with God. Listen to me. It is not so with God because He has all power in heaven and earth. Because He has all might and power. He will not let you go until you obey. You're going to bring yourself a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, and a lot of grief, and a lot of suffering. Not just for yourself, but those around you. When you're living in disobedience. When you're living indifferent to the voice of God and the Word of God. There's no clearer explanation of that love of God that will not let go like it is here in the book of Jonah. Listen, the pagan sailors were terrified of the storm. They were terrified. Well, obviously this was unlike any storm they've ever experienced in all the years of crossing the Mediterranean. I mean, they've been going back and forth and back and forth. These are experienced sailors. They know the Mediterranean basin, backward and forward. This was like nothing else. But let me tell you something. Pagans in general are fearful of the natural phenomena. You know why? Because to them, nature is God, and when the gods are angry, (laughs) there is no higher power, because they do not know the one who made nature. They can't go to Him, and therefore they are terrified at nature. Where was Jonah during this mess? Where was Jonah during this storm? Where is Jonah when when the the, the boat is about to break in two? Well, verse 5, it tells you exactly where he was. Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship and lay down and went to sleep. (laughs) Please hear me right. Jonah does not only represent the individual Christian who is asleep in the midst of spiritual turmoil, but he represents the church of Jesus Christ that has gone to sleep while the world is in wholesale departure from the faith. Let me tell you what most of you already know. That it was when the church went to sleep... That is precisely when the forces of evil began to conspire and take over across the land. When the church went to sleep, abortion on demand became the law of the land. When the church went to sleep, God and prayers were kicked out of school and were replaced with guns and condoms. When the church of Jesus Christ went to sleep, drugs become rampant. When the church of Jesus Christ went to sleep, We are only one step, one vote away from homosexuality, not just becoming the law of the land and forced upon us, but forced upon our children. Wake up, because the time is nigh. You know, I mean, what a wonderful, wonderful sight. Jonah, down, snoring. Man, you say, isn't he peaceful? Be careful of false peace. Be very careful of false peace. It can be very deceiving. It can be extremely deceiving. Jonah was snoring so loud that he cannot hear the raging winds on deck above. 
So many are asleep right now in the midst of a raging storm, and they are being lulled by smooth-talking politicians who quote the Bible and hobnob with evangelicals. Let me tell you something. So many of us are deceived with this because we think that if we see a, a politician going into church with black, big black Bible in his hand, you know, that means he really knows the Lord. The Bible said you know them by their fruit and you'll know them by their legislation. Those who vote, I don't care less on the right or the left, I am telling you, those who vote for a baby to be killed just before he's born, they does not know Jesus. So many evangelicals are deceived that it breaks my heart. It really does, and I know it breaks the heart of so many of you. That they've been taken in, and they talk about forgiveness. That's not our business. God is the one in the forgiveness business. We forgive those who are dear and near to us. But I want to tell you something. It is how a person lives, how a person votes, how a person does, and how a person commits what? Principles a person lives by is what tell you whether the person knows Jesus or not. You've heard me say it before, and you will hear me say it again, and I will never get tired of it. Let me tell you something. Our problem is not corrupt politicians from the right or the left, but our problem is an apathetic, indifferent, disobedient Christian. Be careful of false peace. It could be just the sound of your snoring that is drowning the, the noise of the brewing storm. These pagan sailors did everything they know to do. I mean, they did everything right. They dumped cargo overboard. They used logic. They used nautical science. They used common sense. They did everything they could. But listen to me. Here the problem was not the pagan sailors. The problem was the disobedient, indifferent man of God. The problem was a man of God who is drugged with indifference. The problem was a man of God who was oblivious to the Word of God. The problem was a man of God who puts himself ahead and above the Word of God. You know, I want you to notice several things, several ironies in this passage. There are three in number. Three ironies. The first irony is in verse 6. The second is in verse 10. And the third, verses 14, 15, and 16. Mark them in your Bible. Irony number 1, verse 6. It says that the pagan captain walked Jonah up. <laughs> Look at the verse. Verse 6. So the captain approached him, and he said to him, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. You know, my beloved friends, sometimes unbelievers rebuke us Christians. And God permits that as a really terrible rebuke to us. The captain did not know who Jonah's God was. He didn't know who he was. You know, he's, a, he's but, but, but he, I mean, you know, even a, a good betting man got that in his head, realized that, man, our God's all bombed out. I mean, we called on every one of them and they all can help us. Well, let's wake up this guy over there. And he, his God might be able to help us. Well, let's, let's, let's just see. Well, this is our last chance. It's our last hope. Even the pagans recognize that this was an extraordinary storm. Even the pagans recognize that this is an unnatural storm. And verse 4 tells us that it was an unnatural storm. It was a storm that is a direct consequence of Jonah's disobedience. 
Look at verses 8 and 9. You know, I, those of you who have been hearing me long enough, you know, I read the Scripture and I try to put myself in the situation and I really try to imagine, try to imagine that conversation. You know, when, when they woke him up and he comes up, you know, kind of sleep, sleepy-eyed and, and he looks up there, whoa, you know, the storm just about to toss him over and, and they began to yell at him. I don't think they were talking gently to him. They were absolutely panicking. He said, who are you? Who's your God? Where do you come from? Where are you going? What? I mean, they were hurt. I'm fine. At, at, at that point, somehow, Jonah becomes spiritually sober for a minute. And he wakes up. Well, my name is Jonah. And I'm a Hebrew. And I'm running away from God. Well, which God are you talking about? On this shipping business, we carry a lot of cargo, and, and, and we bring a lot of gods in and out of this area. And we just carried five bales and brought them into Lebanon, and we had Ashtar and Ashtaroses and, and Dagons, and, and we carried a whole bunch of those into Gaza not so long ago. Now, which god is that? And Jonah says, now, wait a minute, guys. You don't understand. You don't understand. The god that I worship is the god of the universe. The God that I worship is the God who made the sun and the moon and the stars. The God that I worship is the God who made the land and the sea. The God that I worship is the God who sees all things. That the God I worship is the God of power and might. Not those of these Mickey Mouse gods of yours. I didn't know Mickey Mouse back then. I mean, you can imagine, can't you? Their jaws drop and their eyes become wide as saucers. And, and they, they looked at him and they said, well, you got a battle in your hand, big boy. <laughs> Try to run away from such a God. <laughs> what, what an idiot you are. <laughs> You're telling us that you worship this type of God, and you're running away from Him? And we can run from ours because ours, we, we make them, and we just put them together, and you know. <laughs> but but you God, you're running away from this type of God? That is crazy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the reaction? How can you run away from such a God? How can you run away? In fact, verse 10, you're going to find the second irony. The first irony we saw that was the pagan captain waking him up from his slumber. The second irony, verse 10, the pagan sailors were terrified of Jonah's God. <laughs> the pagan sailors were fearing the God of Jonah more than Jonah. Jonah's words obviously rang true, and they said they really recognized that he's telling the truth. And, 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 and these pagans, you see, knew the God of the Hebrews by reputation. Through the years and through all tradition, the stories have been transmitted from generation to generation, from nation to nation to nation, and they all knew the God of the Hebrews by reputation only. They heard the story of how the God of the Hebrews sent plagues on Egypt. They have heard the stories of how the God of the Hebrews opened up the Red Sea. They've heard how the God of the Hebrews, once they got them out, they closed the Red Sea on Pharaoh's army. They have heard how the God of the Hebrews provided them with food in the wilderness where people cannot survive even 24 hours. They lived for 40 years. They have known the God of the Hebrews only by reputation that He is the one who made the walls of Jericho crumble. They knew that he was the God who's known to be a loving God, to be a faithful God. They knew Yahweh 
Jehovah God by reputation. And now, now they come face to face with one of his apathetic, indifferent followers. My beloved friends, let me tell you something. Sometimes in some situations, in some occasions, you're the only Jesus that people will know or meet. You can imagine this sailor's reaction as if to say, who would want to run away from such a loving God? Who would want to run away from such a caring God? Who would want to run away and disobey such a, a caring God? Who would want to ignore such a God? Their hearts were longing to worship such a God. They were tired of worshiping statues. They were tired of worshiping nature. And they knew deep down, as Paul said in Romans, that even looked at nature and recognized there is a God. But you know what? I think Jonah's counsel to the pagan sailors is far more apathetic than even running away, if that can be possible. I want you to look at verse 12. It is pathetic, the response that Jonah and the counsel that he gave them. But you know what? i got to tell you, I'm not standing here condemning Jonah. I really am not. I'm trying to learn from him. He could have said, I know the answer. Turn the boat around 180 degrees. Head back. Take me to Nineveh and the storm will be over. He could have said, I'm going to repent. I'm running away. He already told him he's running away from God. He said, I'm going to stop running away. Would you help me by taking me to Nineveh? But he didn't say any of this. He could have said, I repent, Lord God. Please stop the storm. I'm going to Nineveh. But he didn't. You know what verse 12 is saying? Verse 12 is saying that here's what Jonah is saying. He's saying, I would rather die than do the will of God. I would rather die than obey. That's what he's saying. Do you know that some Christians are so stubborn, so hard-hearted, that they actually would rather die than do what God wants them to do? Some of you might be asking right now, is that really possible? Is it really possible for a Christian to become so deaf and so hardened of heart that he prefers or she prefers death than obeying and doing the will of God in the Word of God? I wish, I wish I could say to you the answer is no. But unfortunately, the answer is yes. Sin can deceive to the point of death. And what I want to ask you today, have you deceived yourself so stubbornly, even to the point of death, because you don't want to do what God wants you to do? In the 50s, Bishop Pike was the first bishop who led the Episcopal Church into the current condition of apostasy and unbelief. By being the first bishop who openly questions the virgin birth and and questions the authority and the authenticity of the Scripture. And at the end of his life, he became alcoholic. He had three marriages. He 
One of his sons committed suicide, and then he himself drifted into the occult and claimed that he made contact with his dead son through a Philadelphia medium by the name of Arthur Ford. And then ultimately he died on the Judean hills in 1969, supposedly searching, researching a book that he said was going to be sensational about the historicity of the real historic Jesus. Let me tell you something. Pike's story may be an extreme, and it's a tragic, not only for himself, but for his family and all around him, and even the church that he misled. But let me tell you something. Sin can blind me in the same way. It can blind you in the same way. Unless you constantly cleanse before God and walking at the very center of the will of God, we're all prone to wonder from the God we love. My beloved friends, disregard for the Word of God and the will of God in our lives has its consequences. The third and the final irony is this. Verses 14, 15, and 16. The first irony, little remind you, is found in verse 6. The pagan captain walked Jonah up from his slumber. The second irony is in verse 10. The pagan sailors feared God. And the third irony is these pagan sailors cried to God and believed in God. Isn't that amazing? Here's Jonah running away from the face of God because he did not want to see the heathen converted. (laughs) And God converts the heathen on his runaway boat. Someone said that non-Christians never looked better than when they are compared with some Christians. Certainly this is true in this case. I mean, just think with me. The Jewish people, God's people, Jesus' own people cried out for His blood. Pagan Pontius Pilate says, no. This is a righteous man. Jonah said, throw me overboard. And they said, no, we don't want to sin against God. Can you imagine the spiritual sensitivity of the pagans compared with the man of God? who's called by God to be a prophet of God. Every one of us in the New Testament is a prophet. We are a kingdom of priests and prophets because we have the prophetic word of God with us. And throughout history, we see God's people to be more blinded, be more blinded than unbelievers. It would take me time to tell you some examples in history. Here's John writing to the end of the earth. Because he doesn't want to see converted people, God gives them to him. Right there on the boat. My beloved friends, I want to tell you, God loves his own. And because he loves you, he's not going to let go. And if you're turning a deaf ear to him right now, listen very carefully. He will always love you, no matter what. And He will always call you again and again. 
In fact, Paul told the Corinthians there were some among them in that church who were so disobedient, who consistently lived in disobedience and refused to repent, that Paul said to them, he said, because God loves you so much and because He eternally saved you, He's going to take your life in order to save your soul. Don't get to that point. Don't get to that point. And that is why God welcomes a repentant sinner. He welcomes him with open arms. He loves you. He wants you to come back. And that is why He longs to see you make a difference in the world. And that is why God said that I stand on the door of your heart and knock and knock and knock until you open. And when you open, I'm going to come in. I bring you joy, forgiveness, and peace. Shall we pray? Precious God, in your Son Jesus, you loved us so much to the point that I don't even understand or comprehend the depth of that love. The love that will not let go. Lord, I lift up to you everyone who is turning a deaf ear to your voice today. They would hear not my voice, but the voice of the Holy Spirit. Father, I lift up to you every indifferent, every coasting Christian. Oh God, I pray that even in these last days, that we would invest ourselves in your service. Father, protect us from deception. The worst of all is self-deception. That, oh God, we may travel with your will and in your will. For I pray that in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.